Blog Talk Radio. It's Saturday, September 17, 2016, and you're tuned in to another edition of The Missy Show. We're your premier source for fun and informative pet topics. I'm your host, Jay, and not joining me once again is my lovely co-host, Dee. Um, Dee is out again because she's having more work issues. Um, Just like with my husband, September is a busy time of year. I think it's kind of like they're getting ready for the end of the fiscal year and all that kind of stuff that goes along with that. So she's tied up, and she's kind of having to do some weekend work. So I don't exactly know how the shows will roll in September. Um, We only have one more uh, regular Missy Show episode left anyway for next Saturday. So hopefully Dee will be able to do that one with us. Um, That one's going to be on Down syndrome and pets and other genetic abnormalities. That's going to be next Saturday on, I think it will be the 24th. So we're going to see if Dee will be able to join us for that one. Um, as far as myself, I've just been enjoying today. It's actually been a lot cooler. The weather's been really nice. Well, I guess I shouldn't say nice because it's been overcast, but for me, that's actually relaxing, you know, because it reminds me more of autumn and fall time. So it's like it's been drizzling and it's been overcast, but it's just I've just been enjoying the fact that it's not been roasting outside. So it's really nice outside right now. And speaking of fall, September 22nd is the first day of autumn, so fall is actually just five days away. And don't worry, I have not forgotten about the pop-up special Missy Show episode featuring nothing but fall topics. Um, Since Dee might possibly be busy for a lot of um, September, I don't know if she'll be able to do that episode with me, so it might just be me. And after I've kind of thought about it and realized how close fall was, I may end up not even just letting it be a pop-up. I'm thinking about maybe even just doing it like Thursday or Friday of this upcoming week. So um, who knows? Maybe this Friday night, you know, um, maybe I won't let it be a surprise. I may just let you guys know ahead of time. So could be. So just kind of be on the lookout, be checking the Missy Show site, and um, be checking the blog. And who knows, I might be making an announcement saying that I'm going to do that episode. Um, But either way, it's coming. Um, Okay, moving right along, today's topic is animal news around the world. So we'll be covering what's going on in the animal world all around the world in just a few minutes. But before we do that, let's give out the answer to yesterday's animal trivia question. The question is, what is the difference between a crow and a raven? Okay, so we're talking about two black birds that most of us can't tell apart. I know I can anyway. Um, So how are they different? All right, the answer is ravens often travel in pairs while crows are seen in larger groups. Also, study the tail of the birds as they fly overhead. A crow's tail is shaped like a fan, while a raven's tail appears wedge-shaped. Another clue is to listen closely to the bird's call. Crows give a cawing sound but ravens produce a lower croaking sound. Also, a crow's lifespan is only about eight years, while a raven's is 30. 
thought that was interesting. Not really fair for the crow, I guess, but hey. Um, crows are also more sociable and lightning in human-populated areas, whereas ravens are less sociable and more cautious. So there you go. Um, now, after the show, you can go and impress your family and friends with your newfound bird knowledge. There was actually more differences because there's actually something even like with their feathers and how even though they're both black birds, there's slight differences with how their feathers can appear with other colors. But I'll post that information too so you can got, you guys can read more about that in depth. So if you like today's trivia question, you can check out more on our blog page at she'sathority.blogspot.com. And for you guys who are new to the show, you probably are wondering, like, what she's a Tory. But um, let me spell that for you so you'll be able to go to it. But, and the Tory, of course, comes from my cat, Misty, because she's a Tory. That's why I call it that. That's part of my website. But she's a Tory is spelled S-H-E-S-A-T-O-R-T-I-E. So she's a Tory.blogspot.com. And if you guys would like to join in today's conversation, you can call in at 347-838-8313 or listen later in the archives at blogtalkradio.com forward slash she's a tortie. There's that phrase again. <laughs> Links from information used in today's episode can be found after the show on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash missy.show44 or on our Twitter page at twitter.com forward slash Missy Show. Okay, so now let's get into some pet news. And our first destination is going to be India, where some very colorful birds are being sold, but there's apparently more than meets the eye going on. Okay, so bear with me. Sometimes I dislike these episodes where I'm on solo because I feel my voice starting to give out, and I also don't like the spotic like I'm just reading, so... Bear with me. But this comes from an article called Died But Alive, Disguised Birds, Skirt Laws, and Fetch High Prices. Um, a common sight in India's markets, birds died to look like rare and exotic species are a growing problem for both conservation and animal welfare. Um, and the article starts off um, where it says, stroll down the lanes and alleys of Kolkata's Galef Street on any Sunday morning, and you'll see hundreds of wild-caught native and exotic birds for sale, crammed into wire cages of all shapes and sizes. You'll hear a cacophony of bird calls and flapping wings. From their makeshift stalls, traders shout all kinds of bird names, vying for customers' attention. When I was there in July, I saw a jet black heel mina, I guess that's how you pronounce it, I don't know, minas, uh, with their neon orange beaks, finch-sized green avidavids, and their yellow bellies and zebra-striped flanks, lovebirds, cockatoos, and various parakeets. There were even chicks in improbable shades of flamboyant orange and green. A local vendor peddling a cage full of them said they were the babies of rare birds in great demand as pets. Pet birds have long been a part of Indian culture, Folk tales and royal texts are replete with minas, parrots, and pigeons that adorn imperial courts and entertain wealthy families. Today, the birds are still popular as pets, and they increasingly 
featured, they're increasingly featured as good luck charms at weddings and other celebrations where they're released into the air. Dyed birds of all species can be found at India's markets. Take the rose-ringed parakeet, a green bird with gray rings around its neck that is native to India and is a favorite in the pet trade. Some traders will add a dab of catechu, a brown dye from the acacia tree on its shoulder feathers to make it resemble the less common, more expensive alexandrine parakeet. Or traders may paint the parakeet's head orange and sell it as an imported exotic bird. Another disguise, black dye, is applied to the parakeet's entire body so the trader can sell it as a pricey, rare mutation. Other dyes used include shoe polish, lamp soot, spray paint, oil, coal dust, textile dyes, and food coloring, says a trader at the Galef Street Market. Now, that's pretty, that's extreme. So you have to think about these are live animals that they are just actually, you know, putting these different dyes on to to disguise them and make them seem more exotic. So um, I'm going to further read, and you'll hear about some of the problems this can cause, which, of course, is obvious. Um, Red affidavits or munias are dyed to be sold for 10 times more as green rare affidavits and I'm probably mispronouncing that, Avadavits, I don't know how they say it. Spotted owlets are stained with tea water and have feathers glued to their heads to be passed off as hard-to-find brown fish owls, which are sacrificed during the Indian festival of Diwali to usher in prosperity, according to Abrar Ahmed, former principal investigator for Traffic, India's live bird trade project. Many of the dyes contain chemicals that are absorbed by the bird's skin, which can sicken them, says Nakunj Sharma, a spokesman and government affairs liaison with the India branch of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. And the dyeing process itself can be traumatic. One person holds the bird by its wings and legs, and the other paints it using dye-soaked cotton. Because traders work fast to color as many birds as they can, they're often careless, according to Sharma. Dye may drip into the bird's eyes, causing inflammation or even partial blindness. Chicks may be dipped in a bowl of liquid dye to give them more uniform color, or they may have liquid poured over them and then be tossed from hand to hand like hot potatoes to even to even out the color. Because chicks are so delicate, Sharma says, this can kill them. And I'll um, be sure to post a link to this. I mean, it's like looking at the pictures of the chicks. I mean, they they have them dyed to Easter perfection because over here in the United States, you know, chicks are kind of synonymous with Easter along with rabbits. And they have them dyed these beautiful, pretty colors, but it's just the fact that you're not supposed to dye birds. You know, you're not supposed to dye animals, you know, that kind of brought back memories about um, Smurf the kitten and I think the people that died, the kitten purple. I was trying to find more information about um, what's gone on with Smurf and um, how I can't remember if Smurf was a boy or a girl um, kitten, but I was trying to find out how Smurf was doing, but I couldn't find out anything about that. But um, at any rate, animals shouldn't be died, but I think we all know that. But I just thought that this was an interesting story. Um, to share with you guys, um, 
Let's see. Uh, the deception itself can also put birds at risk. When the color fades, revealing the original identity of the bird, or when chicks outgrow their painted feathers, many of these species die due to ill treatment of the duped buyers who do not know what to do with them, says Asad Ramani, an ornithologist at the Bombay Natural History Society, one of India's largest wildlife research organizations. And this story, it, it goes on a bit more, but I won't, you know, um, read all of that. But you guys get the gist of it. But, you know, I just, I thought that was interesting that they, you know, have a whole market over there where they're like dying, you know, they're dying birds, you know, kind of to just pass them off as more exotic than they really are. And who knows, I'm sure that goes on in other parts of the world. But um, that particular story is just covering um, a, a part of India. So that that's some pet news or animal news from there. Um Jumping back to the U.S., this one is uh, less serious, a bit more of a funnier story. Um, this one is titled, entitled, Loose Lizard, Boulder Animal Control Finally Nabs Iguana on the Run. So this is here in the U.S. Um, after weeks on the loose, one cold-blooded escapee's run from the law has come to an end. Boulder Animal Control officers this week finally captured an iguana that had been on the lam for about a month after its hiding spot in a boulder backyard was outed on Facebook. Animal Control Supervisor Janie Boswell said a resident of the 1100 block of Hartford Drive in South Boulder reported seeing a dragon in his or her yard about a month ago. Rather than a fire-breathing beast, animal control officers arrived to find an iguana. But fueled by summer sun, the lizard evaded its would-be captors. The weather was much warmer, and he was much more agile, Boswell said Thursday. We located him, but were unable to catch him because he was so fast. So I'm assuming, based on what this article is saying, iguanas, um, they operate better in, when it's warmer, because as you'll later find, as I read on, when it was cooler, that's what got him caught. But on Tuesday, after a chilly weekend, Nadia Turk was gardening in her backyard on Ithaca Drive, when she saw what she thought was a toy on the ground. I looked down, and I see this green thing just sitting there, Turk said. I was ready to pick it up, but then I saw the eyes moving, and I said, oh, my God, and I ran away. Not knowing what it was that she stumbled upon, Turk took a photo and sent it to her daughter in Erie. I told her I saw this creature in my backyard. It had some pokey things on its head, Turk said. Turk's daughter posted the photo to an eerie neighborhood Facebook group asking for advice on how to handle the scaly lizard. Um, she got a lot of interesting comments. A lot of people had different opinions, but uh, not many of them were saying that it was an iguana. You know, I, like I said, I'll post this one and let you guys see some of their comments. Um, but eventually it was decided Turk had an iguana in her backyard. She called animal control, and within minutes an officer showed up. The guy was very excited, Turk said. He said, this is my guy. And I said, what do you mean, this is my guy? Turk said the officer, officer told her about the unsuccessful efforts to catch the lizard, who the officers have been calling Iggy over the past month. The iguana that was nabbed this week has a stubby tail, likely the result of a close encounter with wildlife at some point, that had the officer certain it was the same iguana from a month ago. Boswell said the officer had no trouble grabbing the iguana this time. 
because the weather was so cold, he was actually pretty lethargic, so he just walked right up to him and picked him up, Boswell said. Once he was back in the van, he warmed up a bit and was back to his normal, funky self. Boswell said iguanas are not native to Colorado, and this one is likely an escaped pet. But Boulder Animal Control has not received a missing iguana report, and nobody has claimed the lizard since it was captured. And on the last page here, the iguana, which is estimated to be somewhere between one and three years old, is currently housed at the Humane Society of Boulder Valley and will stay there until Sunday in case someone, in case its owner claims it. If no one claims it, the iguana will be transferred to the Colorado Reptile Humane Society and Longmont to either be adopted or sent to a reptile sanctuary. As for Turk, she she once found a mountain lion in her backyard and now has yet another wildlife story to tell. It's a funny story, she said. It's something I can tell my grandkids. It's the second time this summer that an iguana has made news in Boulder. In June, an x-ray machine caught someone trying to smuggle an iguana into the Boulder County Justice Center. That's interesting, I think. But I guess the, I guess the people at the airport see all kind of interesting things on the x-ray machine. So I thought that was interesting. So Iggy's been captured, and Iggy is safe for now. And hopefully... If Iggy did have owners, hopefully someone will step forward and go ahead and claim Iggy, you know, so he won't actually end up at the wildlife reserve place. But he'll be taken care of there either way. Now I'm going to jump to South Africa now. Let's see. In just a second. This this is a this one's a short one, but I thought it was an interesting story. Um, this is titled um, prayers for orphaned baby rhino Isabendi. I swear, little rhino, it looks fake actually when you see the picture. And this is from Thula Thula, which I had to look up and see where that was. But it's um, it's in South Africa. Okay, um, Isabendi, a baby rhino, was rescued after her mother was poached for her horn. And see, that brings me back to our um, episode we did about the fuss about tusks, and that that's why we we don't like coaching, we don't like any of that stuff. Um, it has been a very rough 48 hours with baby Isabendi. She has had many seizures uh, and also has a urinary tract issue as well. She's not interested in drinking milk but must try her best in order to survive the next 48 hours. Her prognosis is poor, but we remain optimistic so that baby Isabendi survives. She is one of many rhino orphans as a result of the black market rhino horn trade happening in Africa and Asia. Isabendi seems to have finally found a position that she's most comfortable in. She lays her head on a mattress and bum on the floor. Please send your prayers for her quick recovery. And we, we do send our prayers to you, Isabendi, and hopefully you, you will come through and they'll be able to nurse you back to health. That's a very sad story and another reason why it's just, it's just stupid. The tusk trade, all, all of that stuff is just very stupid in my opinion, you know, and it leaves animals orphaned in these situations. And these animals, you know, they, they really need their parents, you know. So it's it's hard. I can imagine it's hard trying to rear up a baby rhino because that's not the same situation. It's just raising a kitten or a puppy. And even that can be difficult if they're taken away from their parents too young. 
so that was a short one. But um, this one, uh, Prayers for Orphan Baby Rhino is the bendy, is the title, and I'll be sure to hold. I think we have time for one more. Let me go back here and get my story. This one's about horses, and we're going back to the U.S. on this one. And this one is entitled, Because of Public Outcry, U.S. Government Says No to Killing the 45,000 Horses. That's a good thing. Um, Thanks to an enormous public outcry of concerned animal advocates, the U.S. Bureau of Land Management canceled their initial plans to euthanize the 45,000 wild horses and burros held in short- and long-term holding facilities. Officials from the U.S. Bureau of Land Management say that they have been struggling to find enough people to adopt the growing number of wild horses and burros that are held in their facilities and costing them millions of dollars annually to maintain. The National Wild Horse and Burrow Advisory Board has suggested the agency euthanize the horses and burrows that they could not adopt out or sell them to companies who would most likely slaughter them. Tom Gorey, a spokesman for the Bureau, said that the agency will continue its current policy of caring for unadopted or unsold wild horses and burrows and will not sell or send any animals to slaughter. Animal rights activists created a huge uproar after getting word of the agency's plan to euthanize the horses. Jillian Lyons, who is the Wild Horse and Burrow Program Manager for the Humane Society of the United States, said that the public was very quick to criticize the idea of unjustifiably killing these wild animals. It's something the American public just doesn't know about. You think you don't think a wild horse is being held in facilities all across the United States. I know I did, and I don't even think that's something I knew about. Um, she also mentioned that the agency has an obligation to these horses as they are ones that rounded them up and captured them, as they are the ones that rounded them up and captured them. According to government estimates, approximately 67,000 wild horses and burros still roam the U.S even after having decades of roundups. Without having natural predators, these wild animals have proliferated way beyond the roughly 27,000 that the U.S. government says is a number low enough to prevent overgrazing and still have enough land for other animals. That brings up um, the uh, subject of, like, what me and Dee did about the um, the, the boards, I had to think, oh, yeah, finding a balance for boards because that's kind of the same issue, except with the boards, it's so many of them um, that they they can't just, I, I assume right now they can't just gather them all up and put them somewhere like they're doing with the horses because I think it's an astronomical number of wild boars out there right now. And, of course, they cause a lot of, um, da- cause a lot of damage. Um, the cost for the upkeep of these animals and holding facilities is nearly $50 million a year. This is the horses. Um, the Humane Society says that the Bureau spends more money on contractors that they, do not have enough mon- that they do not have enough to spend on adopting a humane management plan, such as administering birth control, which they say could be a more effective means of population control than Roundup. Despite many group efforts to get this management plan underway, the Bureau says that fertility control is a difficult means of management because the birth control drug wears off in less than two years. Let's see where that would be an issue. This announcement is a huge relief to the public who have made thousands of calls and emails to the government. 
It is because of your because of your hard work that the agency has pulled back their plans to euthanize. So we hope that that goes on for now, and that the horses will remain safe. The horses in the burrows. Um, this one was dated um, September fifteenth of this year, so I tried to make sure I got some recent stuff. I, I think the iguana one was recent too. So, um, but but don't beat me up if it was. But I think it was. I, I know um, this one is. Uh, the baby rhino, and and also the one about the um, the birds being died in India. They were all recent stories. So that was my pet news across the U.S. Um, just wanted to remind you guys we have one more regular episode, and then we will be getting ready for October Pet Spooktacular. That will begin October first. Um, in October, we're going to have a shorter amount of pet spectacular shows because we've got some other stuff that's coming up that will kind of prohibit us from doing our normal, like, five of them because I think there will be five Saturdays in October. But I'm still toying around with the idea of maybe doing two others on a weeknight possibly in October because I really hate to cut them short. Those are some of my favorite ones to do. Um, so just just kind of, you know, be checking the blog and, and make sure you're, you know, still listening to the show, and I will keep you guys updated. But we definitely have to reschedule. We have one for October 1st, October 8th, and then I think we do our last one on the 29th of October. So we have to reschedule for the month, and we may come up with two others that we may do on a weeknight in October. I even thought about kind of starting Pet Spooktacular, Pet, if I could talk, that would be nice, Pet Spooktacular a little bit earlier and doing it in the month of September, but I don't think I'm going to do that now. I will probably, um, if I do decide to expand it and add, um, re-add those other two episodes that we'll be missing, we'll probably just put them sometime in October just on a weeknight. So just stay tuned for that. But um, once again, we just want to thank you for tuning in to the Misty Show and for supporting us and for supporting the blog. Like I said, hopefully Dee will be back with us next Saturday. No guarantees on that, but either way, we'll still deliver you a great show with great content. Um, Once again, it will be Down Syndrome in Animals and Other Genetic Abnormalities. So be sure to check that out. We should be on at our normal time of 5 p.m. Central. The only way we might adjust it is if Dee says she would like to do the show or she's able to do it, but she needs me to push it up. Usually when we don't have the show at 5 p.m., we end up having it at 10. So um, as for right now, the show is still scheduled to go on at 5 p.m. next Saturday. Um, But if not, I will let you guys know in the blog post, and I'll also tweet it out and put it on the Facebook page if there is any changes. But thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. And until next time, be safe. Bye.